0: This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. I'd like to um, thank the organizers. for this a great opportunity to, to come and listen to all these talks and, and um, uh, present some as well. So um, I'd like to... Uh, Start. Um, So genes are really um, central, and they're central for a couple reasons. I mean, first, uh, well, we we can use lots of sources of evidence to identify which are the genes that are important in any process. Here we're talking uh, about skin pigmentation. So we have molecular biology data, clinically significant conditions, generally hypopigmentation, um, uh, different types of albinism, Um, non-human animals, especially the mouse, has really been influential in helping us understand how genes affect pigmentation. Um, We can follow evolution in a number of ways, molecular evolution, as well as um, just the the evolution across across different populations. And uh, finally, admixture mapping. This is an approach to find the genes that determine um, differences between populations. And when we have those genes, we can then use them to design more experiments to help us understand better um, how they function. So knowing those genes is really central. Uh, we can address questions like where and when these um, uh, uh, new gene mutations happen that, that give us a um, uh, uh, different skin color in this, in this case, potentially improve diagnostic and treatments, um, Test different kinds of molecular hypotheses. And finally, um, predict trait values. Uh, this could be useful in a forensic context. Um, when, when the person's not there, you don't have any information about who, it, who he is, to make some prediction, as well as in epidemiology. If skin is mediating something about um, the disease condition, uh, we know it's really critical in producing enough vitamin D. Um, we, we can measure the skin from the DNA alone, so not having, uh, having measured it in the person. So there, there's a lot of potential um, there. Here's an example of a, a, a melanocyte and keratinocytes. Typically, they reach up to 30 or 40 keratinocytes and pass off melanosomes. So just a little bit about the biology. We know a lot about the genes that are forming these melanosomes and, and controlling their transfer up to the keratinocytes, I've always been fascinated by uh, human variation. And here's a slide of um, uh, 18 uh, young women who we collected recently as part of our, our, our sampling. And uh, you can get quickly a sense of the diversity of human, human pigmentation, um, skin, hair, and eyes uh, from this. We can look at more detailed um, descriptions, quantitative descriptions. This is a, a histogram showing the um, pigmentation levels measured in three populations. The one on the far left is a European-American sample from State College. The black bars to the right are African-Americans from Washington, D.C., and then a sample of uh, African-Caribbeans from from England. And um, the African-Caribbeans are shifted over to the right a little bit compared to the African-Americans. Um, and that's darker skin. and In fact, they have um, uh, less European ancestry, less European admixture than the um, African Americans do, about 10% compared to 20%. So there's a strong relationship there between your um, recent admixture and and your your skin color. We do see, too, this red bar here shows the extent of overlap Um, because this slide also emphasizes how our observation of each other is is uh, substantially biased. Uh, sociologists have studied this in detail and light-skinned people see dark-skinned people as darker than they are. Dark-skinned people see light-skinned people as lighter than they are. So, you know, you, you can't really rely on your perceptions or at least, I mean, it's worth looking inward to see, you know, what effect that may have on, on uh, how, you, how you see those around you. We know the... Um, environment has been a major factor in the evolution of of skin color. Uh, That green line there is the equator, and uh, latitude, or the distance north and south of the equator, um, uh, have a major effect on on skin color. Um, We know from more detailed analyses that it's actually the ultraviolet radiation at ground level that really has the strongest effect on skin color. So our skin is tied to the environment environment. And we can propose or discuss the different mechanisms that may be controlling this response. Um, I think the strongest evidence is for um, lightening of skin due to that need to produce vitamin D. There are very few natural sources that we can dietarily um, uh, consume enough vitamin D to, to keep us healthy, but our skin can produce vitamin D. So with ultraviolet light hitting your skin, you can produce vitamin D if your skin's light enough for that environment and if you're exposed enough, if you have enough skin showing, if you spend enough time outdoors. Uh, so lots of conditions on this, on, on being healthy um, through, through getting your, your vitamin D from your skin. Um, potentially immune suppression is also something that is, is um, good in certain instances. Um, darker skin probably evolved to protect us from sunburn, skin cancer, Um, protect us from too much immune suppression, and also um, perhaps to uh, mediate folic acid uh, uh, photolysis, so to protect our folic acid stores from being destroyed. Ultraviolet light helps create vitamin D, but it also destroys folic acid. And finally, both um, low and, and high pigmentation can be uh, mediated through sexual selection, and also the relaxation of selection as populations move from one area to another. So we can talk about the um, average history of our our uh, of individuals, persons, and populations. Um, and this this tree shows um, I know it 's kind of complex, but that 's really the, the best representation that we can make of, of, of our history and Although this is about ten years old, I think it still holds in, in most of most of the major branches here and it 's not only a branching through the fission separation of populations, but also the fusion of populations. You can see here how we 've drawn these little branches here to illustrate admixture or the movement of people to join other populations. Um, our, our species really has much more of a, um, a wisteria vine history, where when branches cross, they fuse and they join again, making new populations, as opposed to any kind of tree or bush pattern. That is an average pattern. Evolution really doesn't happen, um, at least a lot of evolution, the adaptive evolution happens more on a gene-by-gene basis. So it's modular. Each gene has its own history. Um, the genes that cause differences among us today are genes that have very recent evolutionary histories and have been very actively evolving in in the past, um, you know, 75,000 years, say, since human populations had their common origin in Africa. Many populations stayed in Africa. Some small set of populations moved out of Africa. And we have tools that we let us study how these, um, you know, um, uh, tracking the molecular evolution of these genes and how quickly they evolved, uh, showing clear evidence that they have evolved recently or changed frequency recently. Um, so these are very valuable tools. I'll show you uh, an application of, of one of those methods in a minute. But I want to focus really on just three populations to start with. These aren't the three most important populations or three central populations. That tree I showed you before is really a better, better sampling of of, uh, human diversity. But these are worth looking at. You know, we were initially very light-skinned before we lost our fur. All mammals are. You you spread your cat's fur, even as a black cat, you'll see that the skin is white underneath. As we lost our fur... Uh, changed our habits. We, we, we needed to become dark-skinned. There's other branches here. The second branch is a common branch to East Asians and Europeans. Um, the third branch there is, um, would contain skin lightening events that were specific to East Asians. The fourth branch is the branch with specific to European um, changes. And finally, additional skin darkening events, possibly on that fifth branch that I show in this, in this tree. So, I mentioned admixture mapping before, and this is really a fundamental tool for finding the genes that cause differences between populations. Most of the genes are the same across all populations. If you look at the frequencies of of alleles across populations, about 95% of the total variation is in common. You know, we have this very recent common history, but for certain things, especially superficial. Aspects, superficial traits uh, we have evolved very, very quickly, and um, we can map those kinds of genes with with this approach. So you basically start out with two parents, one light skin, one dark skin. These are the histograms describing their distributions. When they, when they um, mate, you have the uh, first admix generation, and there 's much less variation in skin color here or whatever trait it is that you 're talking about. Uh, everybody has two copies. One, uh, two genomes, one from a European ancestor, one from an African ancestor in this case. But but by that second generation and all the generations afterwards, you have a lot of variation, a lot of phenotypic variation, and these are ideal samples for discovering which are the genes that are affecting this, this trait. Here it is as a chromosomal view. So you have two European chromosomes, two African chromosomes, or one of each. You get one of each by having one parent from each population. These black bars are recombination points. So um, you don't pass on to your kids the same chromosomes you got from your parents. You mix them up and then pass on this mixed up um, set of chromosomes to your, to your kids. And after a few generations, you end up with these uh, chimeric chromosomes that have different ancestry segments. So we can track those ancestry segments and use that information to map, to map genes. We do need to be careful about um, stratification. So there's variation in admixture levels across populations. So this, this slide here shows you how the proportion of West African ancestry is positively correlated with a skin color measure, the M index. Um, you see a positive correlation. You also see the variance is different. So there's a lot more dispersion here, a lot more variability, and um, this is because like most traits, skin color is much more variable in Africa. Even just considering the subset of Africa, West Africa, where the enslaved ancestors of the African Americans and Brazilians and uh, other populations that are represented here were derived. So even that, that subset of Africa is much more variable than Europe. But you have this confounding So you have to deal with the fact that ancestry is going to be correlated with any, or skin color will be correlated with any marker that you measure that's different between those parental groups. But you can reduce that. You can remove that statistically. It's a process called conditioning or controlling. You basically remove the effects of one variable to study another. This is the, uh, the Duffy null locus, locus that varies substantially between populations, and you can see the genotype determines the distribution of skin color. It has nothing to do with skin color. When you control for the uh, variation in ancestry, you get rid of that, uh, that effect on skin color. This is uh, uh, the cover of, a, of, a, of a, uh, the journal where we published on the SLC24A5 gene, um, this gene was first discovered by um, uh, Keith Chang as the golden gene for zebrafish. So it affected zebrafish coloration. Keith called me up and said, hey, does this, you know, maybe this affects skin color. I was quite skeptical until I looked at the public data set where it showed, uh, a, uh, you know, a locus where Europeans, the, the blue dot here, were totally fixed for an allele. You, you didn't find much in other populations. That's a very unusual circumstance. And um, sure enough, it has a very dramatic effect on skin color. You can see that here. Even after controlling for ancestry, you still have a strong effect on skin color. And in fact, in genome-wide admixture mapping, we find SLC24A5 is really the strongest gene affecting skin color. Um, You see these other smaller peaks here? Once you condition for the effect of SLC24A5, those genes are much more prominent. So you can see that you can, you can detect those. So this, this statistical conditioning is a very common tool and uh, very, very useful. Um, one of the interesting things we found about not only SLC24A5, but some of those other genes that come up in this, this gene mapping analysis, like, like SLC45A2 or the MATP gene, is that the variation that causes Europeans to be light-skinned is not the same as the variation that causes East, causes East Asians to be light-skinned. So this selective pressure to uh, lighten the skin, uh, probably in, in, in response to migrating to higher latitudes where there's less ultraviolet light, was was quite strong. I mean, it's affecting seems to affect any population that moves to a higher latitude. Um, and th- this was really kind of unexpected. Um, you know, we, we, we had other hypotheses about Populations like Melanesians, maybe they shared or didn 't share genes with darker skin populations, um, but you know this is, this is what we found and in fact, there are many genes i 'm not going to talk to you about um, uh, many of these other genes, but I just want to show you um, a slide that 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 um, identified you know what what we 're finding about where these genes. Occur and, and on which branches they seem to have evolved. So, we're, we're not finding too many that are on this common branch of lightning um, in the common population af- coming out of Africa, um, and only a few that are back as far as, you know, um, uh, on the common branch of all, all human populations. But some of these are more difficult to study, too. This is probably the case. I don't think that those genes don't. Uh, uh, exist and we can't understand them. We just haven't been able to find them yet. One very interesting tool we have is to look at the, the local genetic diversity. So this is using um, short tandem repeats or STRs. Um, if you watch too many uh, crime TV shows, you probably already know this acronym. <laughs> but it's, uh, the, these are the markers you use for identity analysis. So if you have a forensic case You you type the STR alleles, and you can see there's lots of different variants. This is the chromosome here that doesn't have the new allele, the A allele, that gives you a lighter skin. This is the chromosome with the lighter skin. So you can see there's much less variation on that chromosome, even though it's basically fixed in Europeans. So there's lots of copies of that chromosome, which usually means it's old, and you're going to see lots of different mutations on it. Lots of different STR alleles, but you don't. You only see pretty much, you know, one primary allele on most of these. So you can use that information to to date when that mutation occurred, or or when it started to change frequency. That's really the more important point: is you know when did that really start to evolve? So the dates or the time is here, and the the um, selective coefficient, how strong the selection was, is is there. And you can put these on a tree then. So you can look at when the timing of um, some of these genes, it's SLC 5 MATP, and TRP1 changed frequency compared to when um, kit ligand and some of the other ones changed frequency. And they seem to match those splits on the tree. So I just want to say we're very grateful to uh, all of our volunteers who participated in these research projects. And I have lots of other colleagues who have um, also um, helped in in getting to this this point. And there are several other research labs as well who are looking into a lot of these same questions. Um, So thank you very much. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.